You need to create a habit of slowing down and resting so that your body has time to recover all the time, not just once in a while when you're at your limit. When we slow down and rest and learn to party and celebrate, not in the drunken wildness that we often party, but like in the goodness of God, we enjoy that good cup of wine or that nice meal. We take time to thank Him. God, You're good. And You've given me these things. When we take time to rest, we will be filled with more joy. And that joy can strengthen us for whatever tomorrow may bring be it hardship and pain and sorrow and suffering, a world that seems against us and a burden on our shoulders we don't know how to handle. I promise God knows how to handle it. So just rest with Him. Let your body experience His presence in the way you hold yourself. And learn that you are loved and lovable. And this may the joy of the Lord be your strength. Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay because faith is not about having it all figured out and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before He'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life, or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. Good morning. It is so good to be here with each of you today. Just in case you've forgotten, He is risen. What good news we have that the, the joy of Easter Sunday is not just for one Sunday where we dress up and have pretty flowers. The joy of Easter Sunday is for every day because we know that our God has conquered death and all of our grief and our sorrow and our pain is temporary. And so while we grieve truly, and we know our pain. We don't hide from it. We don't ignore it. We don't shelter it away. Even in our grief, we can rejoice. So how do we live in this joy in such a way that this joy is contagious? See, our world is really dark and lonely and often pretty miserable. On days where you expect to wake up to warm weather, it's cold. On days where you hope for things to go your way, they go the opposite. Our world needs more joy. And you and I have been given exactly what it needs. The opportunity to bless others with joy. But the way that happens is not by accident. See, if you're anything like me, it's really easy if you just go on autopilot to not be filled with joy. There's always things that will steal your joy. It's really easy on autopilot to get distracted by your to-do list that's never finished, by the laundry that's always piling up, to get distracted by the hurtful words you spoke to somebody else, or maybe they spoke to you, or the way they cut you off in traffic. There's always one more thing that can steal your joy. As I shared last week, joy comes from being with Jesus. If we want to experience joy all the time, it starts by being connected to Him and all the good love that He pours out. 
And when we are loved by Jesus, it says in Galatians that the fruit of the Spirit, the work that He creates in us, includes joy. Joy is something God creates in us, and far too often, Christians are way too serious and really boring. So last week, I gave you some homework I encouraged you this week to just go and have fun. Do something silly or fun or just practice laughing. Anybody do that? Like look at yourself in the mirror and just laugh at yourself? Nobody? You still can. My wife earlier this week was painting our new bathroom, so she was gone and I was still with the kids. And I sent her a video of Ezra, my youngest, because at dinner time, he just started laughing. We weren't doing anything. Nothing was happening. He just started belly laughing and rolling on the bench he was sitting on. And it just kept going and going. And like 10 minutes later, I took a video of him for a solid minute, just laughing for no reason. And it was great. And I sent it to my wife. She said, well, he must have been listening to your sermon. And I said, that's funny. He wasn't even here last week. So it must have been really good or he just knows he needs a little more joy. But watching my son laugh for no apparent reason reminded me midway through the week, oh yeah, I I need to practice joy. I need to go about experiencing gratitude and and slowing down enough to say, you know what, maybe I need silence for a moment, that I too can be joyful. And so as we continue in this learning to be filled with joy, let's just practice for a moment. Will you give me your best, like from the gut, deep belly laugh on the count of three? You ready? One, two, three, pretty good. But I bet you can do better. All right, let's try it one more time. Even better this time, all right? One, two, three. (laughs) Isn't it great how you can do that on command? And doesn't it just bring a smile to your face? Here's a fun fact for you. Did you know that one smile brings about as much joy to you like a genuine heartfelt smile? as eating 2,000 bars of chocolate? I mean, don't get me wrong, I would still enjoy 2,000 bars of chocolate. But it's so much easier to just have one smile. Now imagine how much joy that one smile can bring to somebody else when you just share a genuine, heartfelt smile. As opposed to that face that sometimes I find I wear, where it's just always resting in a very angry sort of way, and I just look kind of unhappy when I'm not, Do you have that problem? We can practice joy. In fact, I believe that to experience joy is not just a gift God gives, but something He commanded His people to do. So today we're going to look at a story in the book of Nehemiah and see how just like they needed joy, we do too. If you'd like to follow along in the Blue Bibles, it's on page 503. If you'd like to use your own Bible, feel free, or your phone, you can pull that out and use your uh, Bible on your phone. Nehemiah chapter 8. Now, just in case you're not super well-versed in the Old Testament history, let me catch you up to speed. Nehemiah and Ezra are two books that go kind of hand in hand. Uh, They were two different characters who God used to help bring his people back from exile where they had been sent away and into their holy land, the land he had promised them, and then to rebuild the life he had said they would have. Ezra is given the task of bringing people back and rebuilding the temple. 
and it gets interrupted for at least 15 years, depending on what version or translation you believe in. It might have been even longer. The temple process gets slowed down by enemies coming against them. And they finally build the temple, but they're vulnerable because all the walls of the city were destroyed. And back then, if you did not have city walls, you could easily be overtaken by an enemy. And so Nehemiah weeps that they don't have walls. And God says, well, then I will send you to build the walls. And so Nehemiah joins Ezra and all the Israelites. And in just a few short days, I think it's like 52 days, they rebuild the entire city walls. And even in the process of rebuilding the walls, there are enemies coming against them. So Nehemiah says, here's what you're going to do. Put your sword in one hand and work with the other. So that way you're always ready at a moment's notice to fight. Imagine the stress and the tension of that time. And they rebuild the walls and they decide, hey, we should recommit ourselves to the Word of God. We should learn what He has to say because by not following His Word, that's what led us into exile to begin with. And maybe if we can follow his word this time, it won't happen again. So that's kind of the background that leads to Nehemiah chapter 8. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. Not the water gate scandal, just the gate where the water came from, right? And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. Specifically, these would have been the scrolls of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Most likely, they would have been reading from Leviticus or Deuteronomy, and we know that based on what comes next. So they bring forth God's Word and they start to read it. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And, all the, ears of, or, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. Picture this. They now have walls built and a temple built and they want to do what is right by God. So they say, teach us. So he does. So they build a little wooden platform for him to stand on because they didn't have microphones for people to easily hear. And by standing a little bit elevated, his voice could project over them. And they said, share with us God's word. And he begins to read God's word to them for six hours. You guys think I'm long-winded. Wait till we're here till 2.30 and we still have two more hours to go. They're reading for six hours and all the people are listening because he's explaining it to them in a way they can understand. What I'm going to skip here is a handful of names and they were harassing me this morning when I told them I was going to skip this list of names. See the three dots there on the screen? It means there's stuff I'm skipping. And I'm skipping it just because I don't want to embarrass myself reading the names. But it also says there's other people that are there helping him do this work by sharing what God has said and explaining it. So then we jump down a little bit further after all these names to verse 5. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. Not only is it six hours, they're standing for six hours. You guys have it lucky, all right? They're standing for six hours. They all stand in honor of this word. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, 
And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. Picture that in this time of trouble, this time of joy, finally their return to their home. Everything should be going well for them. So they gather and they praise God. They're lifting up their hands and they're shouting, Amen. Sounds similar to what we do. Except we're Lutheran and not Baptist, so we rarely shout amen, but we can. I don't know if you knew that. It's loud. And they bowed their heads and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And then there's another list of names that I'm skipping because I can. And they read from the book, from the law of God, clearly. And they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. Imagine that. You're gathered together and you're giving praise to God and you're hearing God's Word and you're clearly understanding it. It's not this confusing set of rules or histories that seem so foreign and distant. This is personal and it's for you. How would you feel? God's Word is speaking to you directly. The people, it says, did not really enjoy it. Maybe because they were standing for six hours. I'm not sure. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. See, as they were hearing and understanding all of God's words, they were filled with all kinds of guilt and shame and remorse. Knowing the story, the reason that they had been in exile to begin with, and the temple had fallen apart, and the walls were torn down to begin with, was because all the people of God failed to follow after God, and to listen to His Word, and to honor what it said. And they were just cut to the core. We are so far from God, so disconnected from all of His truth, and His goodness, and His beauty, we have no idea how to fix this. Have you ever felt that way? My life is such a mess, I don't know where to turn from here. I come from a long line of people who are a mess, and I don't know how to break the cycle. I live in a world that expects things of me. I don't know how to give them what's expected. Everywhere I turn is pain and sorrow, and it seems the world is against me. People hear God's word and weep. So it continues. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be quiet. For this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. What continues immediately afterwards is they celebrate a festival that was commanded all the way back in Leviticus. In this word, they're reading of all the law that's cutting them to the heart and to the core of who they are, that's filling them with sorrow. As they're reading these words, there's a commandment in Leviticus to celebrate what's called the Feast of Booths. If you don't know anything or much about Jewish holidays and customs, 
This feast of booths was given by God. You should celebrate this every year in the seventh month, which happens to be where they are. It starts out by saying they're in the seventh month. You should celebrate this feast every year. And what you should do during that week, it looks like this. Offer no sacrifices for sin. This week is not a week of repentance. It's a week of celebrating that God has rescued you from slavery. And and not only is it a week of celebrating that he's rescued you, it's a week of remembering how you wandered, lost, and disconnected in the wilderness. And God faithfully brought you through all of that time. And so they were to go and they were to build tents and temporary dwellings that they would live in for the week. And then they would have a big party for seven whole days. Eight, actually. From the first Sabbath to the next Sabbath, eight days, they would party. And they would eat the best foods and drink the best wines, and have the best time with no room for sorrow or sadness for all the ways they had sinned. Could you imagine? What if we as a church said, you know what, for the next eight days, skip work. Bring all your friends. We're going to have the best wine and the best meats and the best foods and all the best things. And for the next eight days, the only thing you're permitted to do do is party. Who's in? I thought so. This was a command of God's that his people for one week a year should stop everything they do and just celebrate. So much so that they even stopped repenting of their sin. God said, you don't need to think about your sin this week. You'll have 51 other weeks to be reminded of it. This week, just think about my goodness and rejoice. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. How do we endure the hardships of the reality of our sin? With the joy of the Lord. We stop and we reflect and we celebrate, God, you have been faithful. You are always faithful and always good. And you will always rescue us as you did then. And when we're wandering and feel lost and disconnected, you will always bring us back to you. You are good. God commanded his people to spend an entire week partying simply so that they could remember how much he loved them. What kind of joy could you and I be filled with if when we heard God's word, we celebrated? If when we heard God's word, we were reminded that it's not just about our weeping, for we are truly broken, sinful messes, and yet we're deeply loved anyway. And despite all of our screw-ups, God has persistently pursued you over and over and over again. Despite all of our enemies that surround us and all of the hardships we're facing and the burdens that seem unbearable, God is still bigger and better than all of those things. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Is it your strength? It could be. So last week I gave you a couple of ways that we can begin to experience joy, such as just laugh, right? You could turn off your phones because they will rarely fill you with joy and, and just be in the moment and be present. You could take time to be grateful. God, what are the good things you've provided to me to remember and to celebrate? 
So I want to give you three ways this week that you can begin to experience God's joy and to remember all that he's done. The first thing I want to give to you uh, is that you need to, in order to experience God's joy, learn to love yourself. See, in this world with negativity, one of the problems the people were experiencing in Nehemiah's days was all the voices of the enemies coming against them. You will not prevail. And as they heard God's word, all they were reminded of was all the ways they were guilty and shameful and broken and messed up. And if you're anything like me, your inner monologue that speaks negative about all the things you regret and should have done differently often is much louder than you know what to do with. See, in this world of negativity and darkness and sin and brokenness, it is really, really easy to forget that you are loved and that you are lovely and lovable. Oftentimes when we hear Jesus' words to love our neighbor, we forget that includes as you love yourself. Are you able to love yourself with the words you speak this week? Really practically what that looks like is speaking the truth in face of those lies. So when you look in the mirror and your mind is racing with all the things that are shameful and remorseful that fill you with guilt and lead you to weeping, look in the mirror and simply speak the truth. God redeems me. God loves me. God is for me when nobody else is. It'll be okay. Look yourself in the mirror and remind yourself, I am worth loving. Is that hard for you to think about doing? See, I promise if that inner voice, that negative monologue is ringing loud and true in your ears, when you look yourself in the eyes in the mirror and you speak, I am worth loving, it will not only be difficult to speak those words, but it will be difficult to hear them. But when you and I begin to love ourselves fully with our words and with our actions, we experience the joy of God that our, His Word is not just for our weeping and our shame and our condemnation. No, His Word is to give us strength and life. So this week, begin to love yourself. Second, Maybe honor your body this week. Now, hear me out. Honoring your body does not mean you need to go and be super active and exercise all the time. Though maybe exercise could be a part of your life. Oftentimes we think that we are just spiritual creatures trapped in a body, and we think if I just fix my mind on the right stuff, and I just think about the right stuff, then I'll become somebody better. But the problem is our bodies are part of who we are. We are physical creatures and we're spiritual creatures. And often in our culture today, we neglect the physical in the name of the spiritual. Right? We don't take time to get a good night's sleep. We don't take time to eat healthy. We don't even take time to have good posture. Let's face it, how many of you, when you're on your phone, spend your day like this on your phone? Anybody? Or is that just me? Do you know that the best posture to have when you're on your phone is actually holding your phone out like this? That way your neck's not bent over, causing pressure on your spine. And I promise you, if you were to hold your phone out like this while you're on your phone, you would not spend two and a half hours on your phone. Because <laughs> your arm will very quickly get tired. And you realize this isn't worth the energy. 
What if you began to honor your body this week by paying attention to your posture? See, when you sit slumped over in the chair, you're going to feel very slumped over in your soul. When you find yourself sitting up a little straighter, and when you're talking to somebody standing with a little more confidence, you're going to begin to feel a little more confident because your body and your soul are one together. So maybe honoring your body this week means purposefully getting up and moving throughout the day. If you spend your whole day sitting at a desk, you will feel very worn out by the end of the day. Get up and take a five-minute walk and enjoy the fact that it's cold today and tomorrow will probably be 90 because that's what happens in Knoxville. And go and smell the roses and then take some allergy medicine because you're sneezing. (laughs) Go and get a good cup of coffee or a nice glass of wine or do something that is joyful. And thank the Lord. God, you've given me all my body and soul. Let it be for your glory. So love yourself, honor your body, and then this last one is really difficult for most of us. Rest. Slow down. You are not God. You cannot do everything all the time for all people. In fact, this Feast of Booths began on the Sabbath, a day when they weren't allowed to work at all. The only thing they were supposed to do with the Feast of Booths was begin your Sabbath with a party and have a whole week of rest and then end with another party of rest. If you and I created a habit and a custom of slowing down, even just long enough to take a deep breath, the cares of the world will begin to weigh less heavy on you. Maybe the way you rest this week is by turning off Netflix a little earlier and actually going to bed. And I don't mean falling asleep in your recliner and then getting up a few hours later and turning the TV off and going to bed. No, I mean like purposely going to bed so you can get a good night's sleep. Maybe the way you rest this week is by saying no to some of the things that have filled your schedule. I promise you, most of the things you have on your to-do list this week could probably wait till next week. It's a really good chance of that. So maybe... You just need to experience God's joy by resting. Saying these things aren't as important as being with Jesus. As slowing down enough to realize I have limits. Now, I don't say this as the guy who's perfect. In fact, many of you know that for most of the last year, and even more than a year, almost 15 months now, I've been renovating a house, and almost all of my days off have been spent doing something physical, trying to make progress on that house. And I've done a terrible job of actually slowing down to rest. Thankfully, we've had company in town uh, now a couple weeks in a row. And so for a couple weeks in a row, I have been forced by our company to slow down and to rest. I tell you what, it's hard. My mind races with all the things I should be doing that I haven't gotten done yet. Last night at 9 o'clock, I'm sitting there after a whole day of rest that was truly wonderful thinking of all the emails I should have sent and the work I should have gotten done and beating myself up, it's really hard to slow down and rest. But also last night I got the best night of sleep I've had in probably two months. I don't feel rested today. In fact, I'm a little more tired. 
Because your body doesn't instantly, all of a sudden, recover. You need to create a habit of slowing down and resting so that your body has time to recover all the time, not just once in a while when you're at your limit. When we slow down and rest and learn to party and celebrate, not in the drunken wildness that we often party, but like in the goodness of God, we enjoy that good cup of wine or that nice meal. We take time to thank Him. God, You're good. And You've given me these things. When we take time to rest, we will be filled with more joy. And that joy can strengthen us for whatever tomorrow may bring be it hardship and pain and sorrow and suffering, a world that seems against us and a burden on our shoulders we don't know how to handle. I promise God knows how to handle it. So just rest with Him. Let your body experience His presence in the way you hold yourself. And learn that you are loved and lovable. And this, may the joy of the Lord be your strength. Will you pray with me? God, often when we hear your word, we're filled with weeping. At times because we don't understand it. At times because we're reminded of our brokenness. At times because we remember just how far we've fallen away from you. How lost and disconnected we feel. God, today is to be holy. A day not of weeping, but of rejoicing. For you are faithful and you are good and your promises endure forever. I ask for each one of us today that you would make known just how loved we are. That you would help us to speak the truth over and against those voices that speak lies. I ask for each one of us, Lord, that you would help us to see our body not just as baggage we carry around, but part of how you made us. That we can breathe deeply and enjoy your presence. That we can stand with confidence as those who are forgiven. That we can rest and sleep knowing that you will provide all of our needs. Teach us to slow down and create a habit of doing less that we can be with you more. God, we ask this morning that you would fill us with joy. A joy that is strength for all things. That is contagious for all our neighbors to see that you are good and faithful and your love endures forever. We thank you for this morning and all of your faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So every time we collect an offering, I, I said that this offering is in part so that we can go into the community and help bless others and serve others. So today as we collect an offering, uh, I just want to let you know that 50% of this week's offering, we're going to give to Focus Ministries. Whatever that amount is, we just want to bless them and say, we're grateful for the work you do and we're thankful that you help make a difference in the lives of so many women. So if you would like to give today to support them and to support the point, you can do so with cash or check uh, in the black boxes as you exit. If you fill out one of those connect cards with ways we can pray with you or connect with you, you can place that in the box as well. And if you're somebody who prefers to give electronically, you can give online at thepointknox.com by clicking the little teal button in the bottom corner. 
Whatever you give and however you give, know this. We don't give to get God's love, but because we already have it. Thank you. Now with that, Steve is going to come on up. We're going to switch from uh, Brittany to Steve. Both well-dressed today. Thank you for the bow tie, Steve. I appreciate it. One of the things I love about Steve is you never know what you're going to get. Some Sundays you get a bow tie, and some Sundays it's like a Kiss t-shirt, which is my favorite. So this is the awkward part where I'm slowly pulling up the questions you texted in. It looks like there's just this first one there for you. Okay, and I realized I don't have my reading glasses, so I'm going to have to do this. Would you like me to hold it out here for you? What's easier? Uh, no, yeah. I got it. That one? Uh, I think this bottom one bottom here. Bottom one, yep. okay. In verse 7, when it mentions the list of names, help the people to understand the laws, does that mean Ezra preached for six hours then they broke into small groups to discuss further. Possibly. Who knows? It, it could mean that Ezra preached and he, they're like, he's kind of wordy, let me tell you how this works. Because that happens when pastors start preaching. It could mean that they were helping relay the message and passing it along because they didn't have microphones. It could mean that they had time to discuss and talk. Here's God's word. What do we do with that? All of those are certainly helpful ways. It doesn't, unfortunately, spell out how they helped people understand so, could have been any of those. Anything else that came in today? Uh, nothing else came in, but I thought I would just add a comment kind of off the top of my head. You were talking about people standing for six hours. Uh, a few years ago, we toured an Amish house in uh, Lancaster County, PA. And one of the things that really stood out to me, they said they have church every two weeks in the homes of the Amish people and church lasts for four hours the entire time everybody is sitting on a wooden bench. And I don't know which would be worse, sitting on a wooden bench or standing for that length of time. Well, we can try it next Sunday. We'll do four hours on these pews and see what happens, all right? Okay, that sounds good. Seems like I won't be here. Sounds like a great plan. All right, well, every week you're welcome to text in your questions, and I'll always do my best to respond. Thank you, Steve, for helping out. Uh, if there are questions that come in this week that uh, you want to ask later in the week, you're welcome to do that. That number's on the website, and I'll gladly respond next Sunday or during the week if I can. Uh, now, just a quick reminder, because it's been a few minutes, that video, May 13th, uh, Saturday morning from 9 to 2, we're going to do a class here called Rediscovering the Point. And if you have any questions about how you can grow closer to Jesus in this place, how you can serve the community in new ways through this place, how we can be the kind of community that is support and care for one another, that class will be the thing for you. So I would love to see every one of you sign up. It'd be a whole lot of donuts and lunch we'd be providing, but it'd be worth it. So if you have any questions about how God's moving in this place and wants to move through you, please join us May 13th. And now with that, receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting the Point Ministry, 
simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.